0: Empire Building, the podcast where we talk about building big businesses and even bigger lives. I'm your co-host, Sarah Reynolds. I'm Seychelle Van Poole.
1: I'm I'm Wendy Papazan. And I'm Via Williams. We're continuing our talent series, retention and setting your people up for success. What do employees and salespeople really want? Are you making mistakes that could cause you to lose valuable talent? Richard Branson says that clients actually don't come first. Employees come first. If you take care of your employees, will take care of the clients. So today we're going to be discussing the importance of retention, what to do the first 90 days to ensure success, how to decide when it's time to upgrade and how to do it, how to lead talented people who challenge you, because by the way, really talented people are not always easy to lead, and the importance of the right cultural fit.
2: So to start this conversation, you know, I really think we have to talk about why retention is so important. You know, and to me, it really boils down to four key things, Via. It boils down to cost, momentum, clients, and culture.
1: Yeah, let's talk about how much it kills consistency and momentum, say, Shell, to have mm. and re- to retrain team members. It's, it's such a big deal and it's such a killer.
3: Well, I I know I'm experiencing this right now. This is Wendy. And uh, we ended up losing 26 people last year, which was devastating in an organization that Uh is actually less people than that right now. And we've had to roll into this pandemic with people who essentially have only been on the job for some of them, you know, four to six months. And in fact... One of our key players, who holds all the transactions together, she left on maternity leave right as the pandemic was mm. uh, was coming around, and and so we've had someone who replaced her, and so she's up she's brand new, and so imagine starting your job uh, during the pandemic, you're not working around anyone anymore, and it's 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 been a struggle, you know, it's yeah. been really a struggle.
2: What has that felt like? On uh, like uh, something I admire about you i in watching the last year with you go through that. I I really have um, admired how you guys have focused though on building your culture and working towards that retention that you knew you wanted to have. What did uh, what did that look like? As you were really trying to gain your footing and getting getting your culture back on par with where you wanted it to go.
3: Well, I could just say honestly, you know, a couple of years ago, I felt like everything was kind of rocking and rolling. You know, you're walking around you're like I feel great. This is awesome. I don't have to think about my business too much. And then, you know, if you even if you've got really good systems in place, when there's a transition, there's a learning curve with people. And so uh, that's why retaining people is so important. If you've got tons of turnover in your business, it can be devastating to your business, to your culture, because. No matter what, even if you hire a great person, because I believe that we hired great people to fill those slots, and maybe even better people, there's still just a gap, right? And especially, yeah. you know, I run a big real estate business. The learning curve for real estate is extensive, and so if you've hired someone outside of the industry, they've got a they've got a six month probably learning curve before they're really up and running and rocking and
0: rolling. Yep. And, and the one thing, Wendy, that I hear that we don't hear talked about a lot when we talk about retention is sort of the after effects of losing people with with recruiting people yes. um, and, and how difficult that is. I know, Via, that when you went through loss of your team members, I know afterwards you had some issues uh, recruiting. Tell us about that.
1: Yeah. Wendy and I went through a similar situation uh, a couple of years ago. I I churned about 85% of my team in a four-month period. And it was devastating. It was uh, when you build a business and basically it feels like the entire business walks. It's, it's tough on you personally.
0: Yeah.
1: Mm What I I also I was calling Dia a lot last (laughs) year for moral support. Well, yeah, but Wendy, I don't (laughs) know about you, but but unfortunately what it did for a while is it affected my some of my recruiting efforts because you know my reputation was temporarily marred. I'm just gonna say it. It was like, you know, hey, I'm here I hear you're losing a lot of people. I hear you're going through challenges, you know, I hear I hear your team's a mess. I hear you're an ogre. You know what? Whatever the the rumors are, you can't help but be affected from a reputational standpoint. Sure. When especially, you like, much. especially for me, we were always the team where nobody
3: left. Yes, yeah. same year. Right? right? And then we had this big, big shakeup. And the converse is true. So I would just say that the converse is true is when you've had, especially salespeople in your organization that have been there a while, it gives other people the opportunity to see what can be done on your team. And that's really powerful. Mm-hmm. If you can point to like this person is selling, you know, doing this and making you know three hundred and whatever a thousand dollars a year on my team, that's a really powerful recruiting tool. And when that's gone, and everybody sort of has to start from scratch, it's
0: tough. No, it's true. We we have my original buyer's agent is still with us from uh, eleven years ago, and she tells people when she's talking to them about our team is that. I have been here and watched it all happen. And so then she can paint the picture of the opportunity in the future because she has stood there when we were really small with four people, right? And then saw it all come together. Together and say, you know, trust Sarah, we're going to make really big th- things happen together. And so, if you lose that, that definitely can impact um, also the culture of the team, too. And right. so, um, it, it builds confidence
2: with that. It's something where we followed Wendy and Via into that this year. And, you know, I think when you have retention with people for a long time, which is very similar to Wendy's organization, that was what we were known for. Our people, um, Marie, you know, one of our longest standing team members, Marie, has been with us 18 years. And we've built this track record of that's where you know pools where people go and they want to stay and grow and build together, and and I do I do still believe in that, and I also I also believe though that sometimes people come and build with you for a time, and then uh, it's time for an opportunity for them, and and the piece that I learned through that was actually by having some healthy turnover although it didn't feel healthy, it felt really jarring and terrifying and scary as a leader during that time. Mm. What, caught, what came out of that was opportunity for everybody that actually felt like maybe their hands were tied a little bit and that they were gonna have to wait longer for their turn because the seat was taken with somebody else. And so I, I learned a huge opportunity to really sow into our people that believed in us and were with us and hanging with us and growing through that because it's created tremendous upside and opportunity for those people.
3: Well, I love that Seychelles. And I'd love to talk about the confidence piece because I am someone who's very confident. It's one of my uh, superpowers, actually. It is a superpower. Yeah. And I've just, I don't know, I've always been that way about everything, which is a superpower, but it's also a weakness. And um, so true. And so I know for me, just listening to you say how scary and jarring. It was to really have the rug ripped out from underneath you and to have your confidence be destroyed. Yeah. Destroyed. Utterly destroyed, by the way. It was. And
2: I called Wendy Wendy on the way into our team meeting. We had five of our six senior salespeople leave in a matter of... For one reason or another, uh, in a matter of five days. And and four of them in a matter of 24 hours. And... I I called Wendy because I knew the year that she had had on the way into our our meeting and and it was it was probably one of the m- most important calls that I could have had during that time truly Wendy because you know I said I said how do I go into this because my my gut was to do what you had done too which was to put on my battle armor grab my sword and say that was not fun Yesterday, I called you all. That was terrible, but we move forward and this is where the path goes. Right. And here's the sword and we twitch <laughs> on right yeah. now. And, and the advice you gave me, which was a lesson that you had learned and I immediately took and implemented was you need to give your whole team a minute to grieve. You need to make sure you know who is in the boat. And right. and our theme for this year has been everybody in the boat, ironically enough. And so it was great for me to use that analogy to say we are a rowing team. And we all have our assigned seats in the boat that we have. And this means that we might like have to throw all the oars up in the air. Everybody's going to have to catch different oars. But I need to know, are you in the boat or not? And it's okay if you're not, but... We got like we gotta go and we're rowing and we're going this direction and we all need to take a minute to grieve. We're gonna acknowledge where we are today. It's gonna stay in the room anything that goes on and then tomorrow we move forward. And and I think had I not had that called, I wouldn't have I wouldn't have led into that meeting that way.
1: I think it's so important, Seychelle, what you just said. I just want to stay on that a minute. When when my top salesperson left and at the time she was 30 to 40 percent of my business, yes. Yo, I yeah. held it together. I, I was great in the meeting, I got in my car. And I drove um. to a parking lot. And I remember it was a post office. It was just the, the first parking lot I could find. And I sobbed. Um. And, and I, I texted and in that situation, I texted Ben Kinney. And I said, I am a mess. Uh, this is what happened. And he said, I'm calling you right now. I said, don't call me. I can't yeah. talk. <laughs> what, what I What I want you to do right now is give me a script because I have to go back in 20 minutes and I have to address mm-hmm. my team and I have to get it together. So he said, I'm calling you anyway. And he said, "Don't talk. You can put yourself on mute. I'm going to walk you through what exactly you're going to say to your team." And you did the same thing with Wendy. Mm. How important is it to
0: have those people (laughs) in your lives?
3: To have those. Why am I the only one that didn't call someone? (laughs) Well, you know what, Wendy, you called me. I did call you. You You called me a couple
1: times, and you cried, Mm. and you don't cry a lot at all. You hardly ever cry. Like and yeah. you, you know, you were you called, but in that moment, I mean, how important was it, Seychelles, for you to have that call with Wendy or, or me to have that call with Ben? It was. To just it was a life you? changing
2: call yeah. for me because my my entire confidence was rocked because I had built my reputation on longevity of people, and all of a sudden, the majority of the sales longevity, we still have our rockstar admin. I'm so thankful. We have Marie. We're building up a great... I mean, just an incredible dynamic group of leaders that have amazing business successes outside of real estate. But at, at, at that moment, to have what you thought was your core, right, all kind of peel out at the same time when you thought everything was rocking and rolling and you were going to swan dive into 2020, like it was just the best year ever. And by January 5th, it's all falling apart. <laughs> you know, you're yeah. like, so did you know. You know <laughs> I mean- just us reinventing. And ironically,
3: ironically, I think if you've been a business owner for any length of time, you intuitively understand that failure actually makes you better. Yes. Um, yes. But I was kind of, in, I would say, I was in, a little bit in denial about that. Yeah. It's like, oh, all these people, you know, they get all these accolades for failing forward faster, and um, all the people who succeeded right without failing, and yet. What I understand now is is that some of that was just my kind of reality distortion field, like they talk yeah. about in that Steve Jobs book about how mm-hmm. Steve Jobs walked around with the re- reality distortion field. Yes yeah. the thing is, one good year of a business does not make you a great leader. Does not make you a great business right. owner. And even though we had had ten years of phenomenal growth, the reality is is that I was only that was my ceiling. Yeah. Right. I got, I got that way pretty much entrepreneurially. And so it required a big failure for me to think about like, okay, how do I need, what do I need to do to get to the next level? Mm -hmm. And for me, that was really, um, really having lots of business, like lots of leads like Mm -hmm. that. And that's the lesson that I've learned from you, Sarah, and you've been a huge mentor for me around that.
0: So. yeah, and and I think I mean, this goes retention is important in terms of obviously people leaving. So you know, all, all three of you have spoken about that. It's also important even when you choose to let someone go. Um, mm-hmm. and it impact it impacts your organization even when that happens. I remember uh, four years ago, you know we follow an inside sales. Model and um, our number one inside sales agent, who was the leader of the organization, I had to let him go. Mm-hmm. And um, I remember the feeling in my office was like doom and gloom. The, the entire organization that? thought that we were going down because he had he was such a confident force in my organization that they had put so much confidence in him, right? Mm-hmm. And so that can impact things too. Retention both ways, both. Uh, the decision of the leader to let them go, or someone uh, choosing to leave, both can impact uh, your organization.
3: Yeah. Well, and I think the good part of that is is that when you have success after you have a you know a rock star who leaves or a couple of rock stars, sometimes when you have someone in your organization who's extremely talented, they have a reality distortion field around. Yeah. You know, they think that they're the whole team. Yes, right? yeah, it's So true. Yeah, and 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 the, and the reality is, it's always a team effort. You know, it's not one person. It's not you as a leader. It's not a superstar. And you know, I think about you know highly successful, you know, Michael
2: Jordan, right? Right. Yeah. Without Phil Jackson, um, without Scottie Pippen, right? He wouldn't mm-hmm. have been who he right. was, right? Those championships wouldn't right. have been there.
0: Yeah. Right. You know?
2: I think about that with our team members too. As a leader or as a core team member, none of us are better than the sum of the total.
0: So one of one of the things that I've done when that has happened, so when I've let someone go, that's a, a force in our organization, is is praising the others continually. So we ha- yes. we were down to one inside sales agent, and I started looking back at all of the records and saying, okay, this is how many appointments Mark booked two weeks ago, and this is how many closings he generated, and talking about the other part of our team that is doing amazing things. That for sometimes that like prime player takes all of the glory, right? Mm -hmm. And so making sure we're shining the light on the entire team, all Mm -hmm. that happens that builds our success isn't just in one person.
3: Well, and I know we're not talking about hiring, but that goes back to, are you hiring team players? Yes. Are you hiring people on your team who want to be a part of something bigger than themselves? And they're willing to kind of Not not subvert, but I mean, understand that everybody has a part to
0: play. And Mm -hmm. if you haven't listened to our two podcasts on hiring, I would really encourage you to do that after today's episode, uh, Mm -hmm. because we go into that in detail.
1: Yeah, put the pressure on the hiring every single time, right? Right. The discipline and the pressure and the time spent up front really, really steads you well here. So we all know, and we have deeply felt stories that we just shared about the importance of retention. Let's now dive into what does it look like the first ninety days, right? So we know the first ninety days is the most important time to set the groundwork and the foundation for success, right? Well,
3: and we know it's the most important, but ironically, you know, if you sometimes you spend a lot of time hiring someone or maybe you don't spend a lot of time and then you sort of neglect that right. first 90 days because you're like well i don't i don't want that job anymore right a lot of times yep. we hire out of pain
2: and so right. you're like here the go management wendy <laughs> Seagull yeah. management. you're like here you poop on him and you fly away that's right, right. here you
0: go totally oblivious
2: <laughs> that you did that to him too
1: <laughs> and, then, and then
0: they get blamed yeah. yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. With a lot... Like, so you don't set them up for success and then they take the blame and then you start, you know, we start hearing people talk about like, well, they weren't talent. They weren't a good fit. Um, and meanwhile, they never put in a, a solid 30, 60, 90. So what Did is what is that? Did I tell you guys the story?
1: My first year I tried a team, I went through five assistants. <laughs> <laughs> I would do five assistants in one year because they would come in and they would start and they would go, what's my job description? I go, I don't know everything I don't want to do. <laughs> it was horrible. <laughs> it was horrible until I got the first 90 days really down. That was when I like kept my assistant for years and years.
2: Well, and so you you look at that, right? And Via, I think that's so instructional because your first 30, 60, 90 days is you slowly giving slack on the reins, Right. So by the end of it, they should understand their role in their job so well that you don't get the job back. And by having that really clear list of expectations and Mm -hmm. metrics that they need to hit on benchmarks, that chunks down their job to where they feel like they can have wins. And I think having wins, particularly in those first 30, 60, and 90 days is huge. I also think In a world right now where we are starting a lot of people virtually instead of in person, how you set up that first week is Mm. so important. What shows up for them? What goodies show up for them? What support? What day of the week do they start? Like All of those little bitty things you really have to think about to set somebody truly up for success in that first week rolling into 30, 60, and 90 days. Well, let's get granular
3: there yeah. because we, yeah. we actually have uh, somebody who's starting next week. Us too. And awesome. uh, yeah, we've, well, we've had, this will be our third person that started during the pandemic. Mm-hmm. And I, I think there's quite a bit more than that, mm-hmm. but everyone's working virtually. And normally when we start, we do all kinds of things. We've right. got like good goodies on their desk and Signs, a little welcome and, breakfast. Mm-hmm. And everybody texts them a, a welcome message and they get a tour around the office. And so they're not gonna get to do any of that this time. So what are some of the things that you guys are doing to
2: I know we're having to make cookies. everyone feel special? So for in in hand, we're having all of our training materials delivered to their house. And then we also have cookies showing up at midday from the team as like, we're excited that you're here. And then they're starting with us on our team meeting day instead of on mm-hmm. a non-team meeting day. So they have a lot of energy coming in right into script practice and then straight into our, we call it our partner gathering, but it's our weekly team meeting. So they ha- they get to see everyone, feel the energy, and and focus in on and getting to meet people that they wouldn't
0: see in person. Yeah, we, we found starting their first day on team meeting day has been crucial for us. So they can be right. It's at 10 a.m. So in in the morning, they're mm-hmm. part of the family. They get introduced, and then they also tell the team about themselves. And then everyone love is that. like so glad to meet you. And then we also talk to them on Slack um, and and encourage them. And so it, it's it's definitely difficult uh, to do virtually, um, but I love the idea of having stuff delivered to their house. They shall. I'm yeah. really Okay.
1: Come. So for everybody listening who is cringing like me, I don't do that. <laughs> I
0: was like literally
1: going, oh my God, warm
0: cookies? What are you people? Doing? Yes. That's with amazing.
1: Milk. With milk. I'm like yes. I'm in awe, So here's, here's what I have going on. Yeah. Oh, here's yeah. what I have going. on. Milk, I have... milk and cookies, yeah, history. Oh, streets. Yeah. I love TIFS. We mm-hmm. sent them to my son in his dorm at UT Austin oh, and it's all of so it. great. It's fun. Yeah. But here's what I have going on, ladies. I have eight different locations in eight different like geographies. And you know, I have might have one delivery service, one where, you know, somewhere one of I've been virtual the whole time because I have people in different Mm -hmm. locations... And so we don't do any of that. And I still think they are super, super welcome, and they feel excited. We get the staffs all ready for them. We make sure their office is all already. You know, I wish I sent warm cookies. Like I'm feeling kind of low. On well, for you right it would now. be cupcakes. I
2: mean, let's be real, it would be Via Witson, let's be
3: real. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It would send cupcakes. Well, and 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 Via, I I totally feel you. And I think the reality is is that it doesn't really matter what you do. You can't just let them show up no, and, and not you don't. and not have not yeah, have an agenda. Yeah. Absolutely, and, and yeah. you know. The reality is, is retaining people. It isn't yeah. really about the little parts like that. Although that's yeah. nice, right? Having bagels on your birthday—that's fun. But that's not what keeps someone no. in, mm-hmm. in right. a company. Yep. I think about, you know, my husband. You know, Jay has been um, at Keller Williams. He's going to celebrate his twentieth anniversary in uh, October. That's awesome. Which that's is amazing, amazing. amazing, right? He's an uber talented person. And if I asked him, "Hey Jay, what has um, what's made you stay at KW for the last twenty years?" I feel certain that it's not the you know uh, gift cards that Gary's given him that's over right. the years. Right. Um, right. It's not the big, you know Keyline pie on his birthday. That's all nice, uh, but the reality is the reason he stayed there is is because Keller Williams has helped him get where he wants to go. Over the last 20 years, and I can tell you that's changed dramatically. He's helped um, Gary build two companies inside of Keller Williams. Um, he's seen his responsibility grow, and for someone who's really learning-based like Jay, you know, having newer and more responsibilities every year is the is the and having an impact right mm-hmm. is the most important thing. Yeah. And so that's why it's so key when you're hiring someone. And if you haven't uh, listened to our, uh, you know. Uh, episode on hiring it's really important to know why someone is you know where they where they want to be in five years yeah. yep yeah right and and that's that just to like tie all that together and that will keep them with you if you continue to help them get where they want to go
0: yep and it and it starts with the those first days okay. so the first ninety days so mm-hmm. what what we have together is thirty day goals sixty day goals and ninety day goals and we, we meet every 30 days. Well, we're meeting more than every 30 days. Uh, but every 30 days, we're reviewing, did they hit the goals? Yep. And then it helps them know, like like we said, if they're winning. But it's yeah. really important to get them started off on the right foot. So yes. higher right, absolutely, right? Uh, but that first 30 days, 60 days, 90 days is so, so critical. I, I remember reading that they said that the number one reason people stay at companies is that they have friends at the organization. That's number one. Mm -hmm. Number two is that they knew their job description and they knew the expectations they had. They knew how to win in their job. And -hmm. so it's so critical when we're talking about expectation, when we're talking about retention, uh, to make sure you're setting them up where they truly know how to win. Mm
1: -hmm. Sarah, do you go over your first, those expectations uh, before you hire them, before their first day? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Same. Yeah. Yeah. We do the exact same thing that you do. By the way, usually when leaders fall down, ladies, it's because of a lack of clarity of expectations. Just like Sarah said, they Mm -hmm. don't know how to win and it's fuzzy. And oftentimes we have to spend a little bit more time up front getting clarity ourselves.
2: Yes. And and the time when I haven't, I've that's where you can go back to it and see exactly yeah. where the failure occurred on that. Yeah, so true.
3: Well, and I think sometimes it can be really easy to have a really
2: long checklist
3: of things that mm. they need to check off, right? You need to watch all these videos and do this and that. And that can that can obfuscate you know, the real way that they win. And so I always tell my people, hey, if this person's working for you, what do they have to crush in the next right. 60 days yep. For you to look up in two months and be like, you are the right person for this job.
0: What are those three things? Yep. I love that And we use the acrostic SMART uh, to make sure that we're following uh, the correct type of goals. So S stands for specific. So making sure you clearly define what they're going to do. M is measurable. That's one thing I think people miss a lot of times is like, can you measure it? Can you establish concrete criteria for measuring progress? um and then achievable you don't want to set you know like for example with an inside sales agent, right? Setting a goal that they're going to book 10 appointments their very first week on the job. That's, that's not measure. That's not attainable, right? Right you are setting them up for failure. Exactly. Exactly. So making sure they can achieve what the goal is. Uh, Repeatable. So the action or goal can be completed on a repeated basis and then timely. So always setting a deadline uh, for some, when something needs to be done.
1: Sarah, can we go back to measurable? Because I think measurable is really easy in sales. And I think it's really hard with admin and ops. Yes.
0: Totally, that's good.
1: It's really hard, you know. And and I remember I had a transaction coordinator, and um, I was trying to figure out how could I tie something to a, a bonus for her. And mm-hmm. what we came up with it was referrals and reviews. Uh, you know, in in real estate, which was the business I had at the time, uh, you get reviews online, right? And I knew that there were some measurable tasks that we could tie to a bonus with her, but it took me a lot of thinking to get there.
0: Yep. One of the things that we do with anyone that's service-oriented is we tie the five-star review. Mm -hmm. Um, And so five-star reviews is so important to us. And so if they're service-oriented, getting a five-star review from the client that they helped is really key, not only for the agent, right? Um, But making sure that those that are our supporters, they get credit for that five-star review. And so that's something that we've put in place for administrators that is measurable.
2: I love that too, because it's something that they can control, right? They can control how many times they ask for it. They can control the level of service they're giving to the client. And so it's a way to contribute to the bottom line of the business that will help grow in the long run with something that's very controllable for them instead of yep. what the agent's doing. I love that. Yep. And can I can
1: I add something to this little section too? Because I've fallen down and failed on it before. And I, this feels like the right time to add it. One of the things that I've experienced is we have a really highly accountable organization, over the top, right? We report our numbers every day on a text thread, for instance. That uh, that I see that their their peers see. It's just very, it's highly accountable. I've gotten to the point where I show that to them and I lay out what they're going to expect and what these milestones are going to be, right? Mm-hmm. And how that accountability is going to look like. And I literally, before they say, before they sign their employee letter. I say, are you going to be okay with that environment? Are you okay with it? Can you talk to some of my other team leaders? Can you make sure that that's something you want to step into? Right? That's good. I also go over their quotas.
3: Yeah. Well, and I love that because uh, highly, highly talented people, they want, they want accountability. Mm-hmm. You know, really good people. They don't want to just be inside an organization and not be recognized for their talents, not know how they're winning, not know how they're succeeding. And so if you're one of those people who's like, Ooh, accountability, I don't want to do that. Well, you're not, you're not helping your talented people. Yeah. You know, they want that and they thrive
1: on that. Speaking of really talented people, Wendy, uh, that we're going into our next, our next thing to talk about, which is talent really pushes you, right? Some of our most talented people mm-hmm. are our hardest people to lead, right? Mm-hmm. So
0: what are your guys' experience with this? Great question, Via. We, we recently hired our uh, chief growth officer And, uh, in career visioning, Gary talks about how, um, you know, you can hire emerging talent, right? Or you can hire, uh, proven talent. And this guy was, was proven talent, right? Um, and he comes in and he's asking a lot of questions. And it's because he has a lot of experience and he's wanting to understand why we do things the way we do. And he's wanting obviously to contribute. And I have found myself getting super defensive. Uh, when he asked questions. And then I realized, I was like, well, that's what we want. We want talent to be questioning, why do you do it this way? Have you ever thought about doing it this way? Um, We could maybe grow in this area if we change this, right? And it's important when you do hire talent, you are hiring them to push you, right? I always know, I'm our lead gen director on our team. And I always know when we hire talent because I get really stressed to make sure that I'm doing my part in getting enough leads into our organization to help those that are talented. And I know that they're talent when that happens. Uh, When it doesn't happen, that's when I worry. Uh, Mm -hmm. But you want talent to be pushing you.
3: And just as a note, career visioning for those of you that um, are not familiar with is a class that we take inside of Keller Williams uh, on how to hire and train
2: good people. Thanks, Wendy. I love that. Well, there are times in or like in our organization where we've had unproven talent that will ask a bunch of questions and yes. I I I love that when they have ideas and when they're unproven talent, my my script back to them is I want you to learn how we're doing it first because you don't have the track record of success in this one thing yet. Learn how we're doing it first and then by all means we want all of your ideas or improvements or ways in which we could do it better. I need you that we've gotten this far with the success that we've had here first though. So learn this and then let's look at growing from it from there. And I found we've had a couple of times that people were so attached to the ego around being the change agent coming in as unproven talent that it actually just Mm. became a combative, actually destructive part of an organization. Instead of coming in and earning the right to have the respect with the input... Um, And so watching that on whether you're hiring like Sarah beautifully did with her chief growth officer, right? Of proven talent that can come in and push you or unproven talent that may need to learn how you're doing it first and then start pushing it for improvement after that. Yeah. So I think I'm the only one here that actually works for
1: someone, Mm -hmm. right? And I was that proven talent that was hired into an organization. Mm -hmm. And I remember uh, what our friend Kimber told me uh, right before I started. I said, Kimber what are your last words of advice for me as I kind of embark on this new journey? I've been an entrepreneur for years. Yeah. I didn't mm-hmm. think I was employable, you know? And she said, just remember to you honor- You still might him. not be. I probably am not. Just, <laughs> let's not let Ben hear this one. Just, just,
3: just hush it, ladies. Let's just keep the fallacy alive right now. But I, I, she
1: said, just remember to honor what Ben built. You know, honor what he built before you go in and start wanting to disrupt the fort, right? And, mm-hmm. and I, I wrote it down. And it completely changed my mindset coming in. So for anyone listening who might be in the other side of this, you know... My first year, even now, you know, I'm constantly going through a filter of like, am I honoring what Ben built before me? Am mm-hmm. I honoring that he got this way farther than I could have, you know? Yeah. And yeah, there there's some blind spots he might have, or there there's some changes in the organization I might see, but I just wanted to share that because it's a different perspective. That's a beautiful perspective. Super wise. Mm-hmm. Yeah, super yeah. wise.
2: Yeah. Kimberman Keaty, she's so smart. She's so she smart. <laughs> we gotta so bring her smart. on here. We gotta yeah. bring
1: her, we have to bring her sure. on here. I, I interviewed her and Bo and it, it was incredible. Incredible. So, so one of the one of the really big keys, right, to retention is how do you handle it when team members make mistakes. So, Ooh. how do you handle it when they're making mistakes on your paycheck? Let's be real; yes. you're paying their salary, and they're making mistakes. So, what do you guys have to say about that one?
0: Yeah, th- this makes me think of uh, I can't remember what book it's in, but there's a book and it talks about <laughs> this, and uh, it talks about the the sales manager. He was in charge of a department, and his department lost. A million dollars for the company, and the CEO uh, booked a meeting with him. And uh, he came into the office with the CEO of the company, and he said, "You know, I, I know you're, I know you're going to let me go, and so I just want to tell you how amazing it's been to work here." And then the CEO stopped him and said, "What are you talking about? Why do you think I'm going to let you go?" And he said, "Well, I just lost the company a million dollars," and the CEO looked at him and said. Why in the world would I fire you after I just paid a million dollars in your education? Yeah. <laughs> and I awesome. still get goosebumps like when I hear that story because it's so true. When you when you hire people, the the people that match your values, and you know the heart behind what they're doing, and you know that they're a team player, and you, and you know that they're they're in it with you, they are going to make mistakes, and they're going to make mistakes that cost you money. And it's really important to always understand from the heart, and that if they're if they're talent, if they're the right individuals, they're going to learn from that more than you can even tell them to learn from it, right? Yeah. Um, and in that situation, that leader knew, okay, this guy isn't going to make this mistake again. Right. So, so I'm going to go out and hire another person who potentially could make the mistake again, or mm-hmm. I could work with him. Right, And keep him on board. And hey, I just paid a million dollars in his education. I mean, I I think it's so critical in how we handle when problems arise uh, in terms of retention.
1: So this happened to me. Um, This happened to me. Uh, I I was in my my new role, which I've been in a couple years now, but it was after my first year. And uh, we did not make more profit than we had the year before. Under my reign, and when you are wired like me, uh, handling that failure is really challenging. I I am extremely competitive, and uh, it was a uh, I was re- I, I wasn't sleeping at night, right? Mm. So I went up to uh, Bellingham and met with Ben, and I said, "Look, I understand that I, I may not be a right fit for this role. I, I I I know I can figure it out. I am super excited about it, but it hasn't happened yet, and it's been a year. And you know, if you need to do what you need to do." and he looked at me and he said via i completely believe in you i'm going to choke up he's like i completely believe in you 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 are the person you are the person this mm-hmm. takes time like we're going to go through this together like it's that that's why we're partners and that that support was it was incredible i am choking up
0: of course, me too me too yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. i mean Crazy. but the, but the thing is is ben knew he hired the right person because right. he mm-hmm. follows the process i i know this yeah. is a retention uh conversation and we keep coming back to the well, hiring retention, though it, was, I mean, it was, was it was yeah 100% well and you know. what's the lesson there for us ladies the lesson right.
1: is we have to say that to our people mm-hmm. ever since he said that to me i am i just did it last night i just texted the team leader and I said, hey, I know how you're feeling. I be- I just want you to know I believe in you. Yes. You're the right person at the right place at the right time. And we're going to figure this out together. We're going to celebrate the fails and the wins. And he hearted it. Mm-hmm. No, I,
0: I man, this is making me choke up too, because I'm thinking about <laughs> Two years ago, we were on track to do five million in gross commission income, and I was—I had my PNL, and it was showing like four million in in revenue. And I had a coaching call with my coach, and he said, "You know, what? What do you want to talk about today?" And I said, "I "I think I need to replace myself." Um, because I don't know how to do this. Like I I don't know how to run. No one has taught me how to run a $5 million organization. I'm, I'm scared to death. I'm going to make a mistake. I'm scared. Like I've never dealt with this much money before. And I just said, I think I want to talk about what would we, what would it take to find someone that knows how, what they're doing? Like, because I don't know what, I I don't (laughs) know what I'm doing. Um, and I need to find someone. And he just paused and he said, Sarah, I believe in your greatness. Mm. And I remember just being like, oh my goodness. And I turned around and I realized I hadn't told my team that, right, too. I mean, so many of them are handling things they've never done before, but we believe in them. And it's so important to tell our people that. I'm crying again. Yeah, it's so so important to tell our people that. It is. Absolutely. And I would just say that was two years ago. And what
3: are you on track to do
0: Three 14, years 14 million.
3: And I have, yeah. I have confidence triple. and
0: I, yeah, yeah. Triple. yeah. I mean, yeah. I think, I think that's amazing. Yeah. It was a pivotal moment for me. And so we got to think about that with our people.
1: And looking back when I lost my team, you guys, I was not saying that like, th- this sure. is why the fails are so important because I am a different leader today than I was then. And mm-hmm. I just realized they were not getting that for me. They weren't getting fed for me. I am so different now as a leader.
2: Yep. Well, and had you not gone through that experience, you wouldn't be yeah. where you are today. You know, and, and I think what I'm hearing from all of you and, and uh, Barbara, aka Mom, right? When I was first hired, said it to me. She said, I expect you're going to fail. I expect you're going to yeah. make mistakes. And the important thing is you don't make them twice. Yes. Right. But I yeah. really expect you are going to have problems, make mistakes, screw up. And if you're not, then you're not growing and pushing hard enough. You're just staying in your safe zone. And I don't want you there.
3: And I think that's so hard for us because if it- if you grew up going to public school? Yes. Right. What is the one thing you avoid at all costs? A failing grade. An F. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right? Yeah. That's why so many of us are scared of failure. Oh, it's absolutely. pounded into us from, you know, first grade on and uh, and so changing the mindset, you know, telling your kids if you have kids, hey, failure way to success. Failure is okay. Um so many of us beat ourselves up day mm-hmm. after day after day for not being perfect and yep. that's that's not life. Yep. You know, I think it's dad, one it's thing life.
1: as an entrepreneur I think it's another thing if is, as an entrepreneur it's letting your people down and for me it was because Ben was paying me. It, it I think it's I will let myself down. I, I am actually very comfortable with failure to the point that I think it's one of my superpowers. Where I'm not good Wendy is is feeling other people.
3: No, oh, no, I understand. Sure. Yeah, right. but, and, 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 and our team members feel that way too. It's completely ge- legitimate. Yeah, but it's like either you either you earn or you learn, right? Yeah. 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 Instead, instead of failing or succeeding. It's not it's not a it's not dichotomous like that. It's not really life.
1: Well ladies, this was an incredible start to our our retention episode and and we're going to we're going to wrap part one of this episode and 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 we really talked about why retention is so important, right? what to do the first 90 days and how important that is, how to lead difficult and challenging talent is and and what to do when our people make mistakes. So join us. Yeah, it's really tough. So join us next time as we head into part two of why retention is so important and how to save yourself millions of dollars and have a much healthier team in the process. Thanks for listening. Go lead a big business and an even bigger life. And remember, you are an empire builder.
3: Bye,
0: guys. Bye. 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 Thanks for listening to Empire Building. If you like what you heard, join our tribe by subscribing on your favorite podcast platform and help us spread the word by leaving a five-star rating and review. Until next time, wishing you a life worth living. And remember, you are an empire builder.